Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to the Gary and Shannon Show. If what I think is happening is happening, it better not be. What the hell is going on around here? Gary Hoffman. That sounds like somebody I know. Shannon Farron. She can help you with your woman problem, too. I mean, women look up to her. For what? Who are these people? You keep making it. Gary and Shannon. My advice to you, start drinking heavily. We can be legends after Welcome back. Hey, thanks. It's nice to be back. It's good to see you. Thanks. You look like you got some sun. I did. I got a little sun. You're more smiley than usual. Yeah. Relaxed. That's going to go away in about 90 seconds. Air conditioning is weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, a uh, great time vacation. I don't usually do that, and it's out of my comfort zone to go to different places, and we went to uh, Costa Rica, so... I'll explain. There's more to it than that. I'm There's monkeys. My, my wife had the greatest revelation early on. Well, it was about halfway through the trip. She had the greatest revelation as to why being in a tropical place like that, that's warm and it's very humid, why you just feel like sitting down and not doing a whole lot of anything. Yeah, I love humidity. Anytime I get into humidity, I'm instantly relaxed. It was bizarre. I mean, it was so great. And it, she her, her explanation for it is... Amazing, And when you hear it, when I get, we'll do it in a little bit, but when I explain it to you, you'll go, she is so smart. I don't need to even know what it is to know, to know that, that she that, is yes, so smart. Because it came from her. But the, yeah. it was nice because they had little air conditioning units in each of our rooms, you know, like yeah. the main living area and then the separate bedrooms. And my kid's room, they turned their air conditioning down to 20 degrees Celsius or whatever, 20. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Freezing cold yeah, at like night. 50 something. Freezing cold at night. And that thing was blowing. Uh, and then we'd go outside and it would be 85 and 100% humidity. And it was just nice. Anyway, so we'll talk about that. What else? We got a bunch of stuff coming up today, including uh, what you're watching Wednesday. Uh, Petros is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk about our Bachelorette report. Uh, apparently, guys went to the hospital this, this episode. Very dramatic. Um, so we'll talk about that at 1230 when we get into Swamp Watch. We have a bunch to get into, including... Um, Rudy Giuliani's son getting his West Wing access revoked. And then what you heard there uh, from Monica, Eric Garcetti and his White House aspirations. I uh, was on making the talk show, the funny talk show rounds. And Michael Cohen looks like he's going to cooperate with prosecutors. This could mean bad news for the White House occupants and the family of. Uh, we'll find out what that's all about. Hey, um, was there a summit? I didn't even know. I wasn't paying attention. Did they finally meet? Yeah. It was kind of in an yeah, airport. It, it was, was hard to get. It was honestly the gift that gave so much yesterday. There were <laughs> not if you ask General Mattis, but it was a little bit of surprise when the president said that we will suspend our military drills. Um, and, and wait for North Korea to denuclearize. Everyone thought that that was a huge shock. Apparently, the president had met with his secretary of defense and had worked out the plan. 
it was a huge victory lap in North Korea, we found out, when we finally got the reports, the news reports out of North Korea about how they spun it. They didn't really need to spin much because it was uh, a, a bit of a victory for Kim Jong-un to have that seat at the table and then to have the, the greatest world power say, OK, we will we'll stop doing the drills that you for so long have loathed. The the idea of a news report having some sort of uh, neutrality in North Korea is laughable, but they do cover these big stories. And in a time when uh, the North Korean media, media, very tightly controlled by their state, usually doesn't do things immediate. They don't do breaking news. If they do, it's 25, 36, 48 hours late. They're very particular about the message, about what the uh, the marshal wants the message right. to be. That's what they call Kim Jong-un in the North. And they, they basically take enough time to write this stuff out in iambic pentameter in Korean. I mean, they, they go way beyond what Mervyn Block would say was good news writing. The, I mean, they turn it into poetry. The images of Kim Jong-un beaming standing as an equal on the international state coverage. It was absolutely a propaganda coup to, to have Kim Jong-un on that, on that world stage. And I don't know if they've photoshopped these, but uh, there's a there's a front page of Rodong Sinmun, which I know you got your um, your latest issue of, and it's the front page of their paper basically. But in a lot of these images, Kim Jong Un looks almost as tall as President Trump, and there's a good foot difference between those two. I mean, I, I know that 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 Un is wearing lifts in his shoes yes uh and some pretty sizable heels as well but but he still in some of these pictures is almost exactly the same he height. looked like that in the videos too well like on abc like right there or, or yeah we're looking at cnn that's a good six inch difference there his after hair, the lifts his hair's got an inch and a half lift he's probably got a couple inches in his shoes so it probably makes him five ten five eleven and the president what six three yeah um, the reason that they say this happened, uh, and it was an interesting way to put this, North, the North's state-run Korean Central News Agency uh, said that the, the extreme danger of armed clash only a few months ago, but thanks to the proactive, peace-loving measures taken by the respected Supreme Leader from the outset of this year. Now, you could not say that as of... I want to say maybe November of last year. Remember, this is when this guy was still pulling the trigger on some of his ballistic missile tests. Not too I long. I wouldn't ago. call him peace loving. No. That wouldn't be on the list of adjectives I'd use to describe him. Uh, the reports also said that Trump agreed at Kim's demand to halt joint military exercises, making it seem that Kim Jong Un came to the table and demanded Trump stop this. I'm wondering if Trump's going to get wind of that and how that's going to piss him off because he does not like to be a man who is demanded to do X, Y, or Z. Right. Or, or especially not, the char- not to be characterized that way uh, in a lie. Right. And what, what the president did say on Twitter today was he just landed a nuclear threat from North Korea. Meeting with Kim Jong-un was an interesting and very positive experience. North Korea has great potential for the future. He writes, before taking office, people were assuming that we were going to going to war with North Korea. 
President Obama said that North Korea was our biggest and most dangerous problem. No longer sleep well tonight. When I uh, checked out Twitter this morning and, you know, it'll say in case you missed this or whatever. And every single tweet was from the president this morning. <laughs> I mean, it was just a flurry of tweets on, on a number of issues. My favorite was wake up, punchy. Yes. Oh, about Robert De Niro. De Niro, that he's taken too many <laughs> fake punches in movies and that he was punched drunk. Okay. Wake up, punchy. God, that, that was such instant entertainment when I woke up this morning. Um, I, I just wanted to add this about the Korean North Korean news reports. They said this. Kim Jong-un and Trump had the shared recognition to the effect that it's important to abide by the principle of step-by-step and simultaneous action in achieving peace and the denuclearization of the, of the Korean Peninsula. It's going to be interesting to see that play out. It's tit for tat. It's, oh, okay, you're going to take down that that missile system. Okay, well, then let's see the United States and South Korea take down this missile system. You go, and then we'll respond. You start, we'll finish. Uh, there's got to be, I'm assuming that they're working on all of the, you know, behind-the-scenes verification processes. We're not but... really going to remove our defense uh, on the Korean Peninsula. Are we? Well, I would have said a week ago, we're not really going to stop our war exercises with with South Korea, are we? I would have said that because Brian Suits said this morning with, with Handel something that you have to keep in mind. The cost, I mean, the president did say, you know, it costs a lot of money to do these, you know, these exercises. The cost of these exercises is a whole lot cheaper than the cost of an actual war. Excellent point. Or not being prepared for an actual war. Well, and some of the exercises are computer-based, and so there may not be an indication that we're continuing those. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't like this idea of, of breaking down any sort of uh, defense strategy we've had for decades on the Korean Peninsula. I mean, a lot of people over there feel safe because our troops are there. Anyway. Uh, I get, we get some news and brews uh, information coming up. You're in a few damn minutes. right we do. All right, we'll do that when we come Sugar back. Sugar bottom. Gary <laughs> Shannon. Well, you've just been saving these up, haven't you? Yes. Well, I don't know what I don't know, so I kick my shoes off and run. Gary and Shannon. Big news, guys. Time to mobilize. Friday. News and Brews, Slide Bar in Fullerton, $5 craft beer pints, nothing but good times. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you're, you're fresh off the uh, Imperial uh, train there. Man, I got to tell you, there was one place in, uh, in Costa Rica that was serving what they called craft beer. But I was never there at a time when I wanted to have a craft beer. I no. was there for breakfast and, and a lunch, and I wasn't... And there's something about the Imperial with the humidity and the lightness and freshness of it. I, I don't want to get cold. into a craft. I don't want to get into like an IPA with that kind of humidity. Yeah, there was that. There was a certain amount of, uh, I just want something you need hydration. More, more watery than yeah. I do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, hoppy. Um, so, yeah, this Friday we're going to be at Slide Bar in Fullerton for our latest news and brews. We've been there a handful of times already, and we love it. And uh, we know that people show up, so we'd love it if you would come on out. Uh, for a, an early Friday, perhaps maybe you want to maybe you want to cut out a little early on Friday. Yeah, just and... just get out of there, or or just take the day off. Call in sick. Call in with food poisoning. How about this? Impress the boss by showing up a little early on Friday morning. Like okay. you get there before the boss is there. So when the boss walks in, they're like, 
Oh, look at you, Gloria. It's a good day. You're, you're working really hard. You should yeah. take off at 11. Maybe if you've got like a service call, like if you're a plumber or something, uh, maybe, it, maybe it takes a little bit longer at the house. Right. Maybe some complications come up that mean that you got to stay at the property a little bit longer. They had to replace that whole P-trap, the whole right. thing. And the PVC pipe. Right. Piping it up. Yep. yep. Had to move the the furnace from one side of the attic lot, to the other. A lot of furnaces in L.A. now? Is that what? Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not too good coming up with excuses. Tell me about the monkeys. Oh, so we were in Costa Rica, and they have monkeys there. Uh, they have uh, two. The two that we noticed, I assume there's probably more varieties, but was the capuchin monkey, mm-hmm. like that guy was wearing in Florida when he was arrested. Did you see that story? There was a guy yes. arrested at, like, uh, a, at capuchin a Home monkey. Depot. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the ones in uh, Costa Rica don't wear diapers. Um, and Blake had told us a story about while he was in Costa Rica, they they took his sour gummy worms. Bit of a run-in, yep. And uh, my wife intentionally purchased sour gummy worms for us so that we could experience monkey theft okay. at some point. That uh, sounds like a really bad uh, slash great idea. Like, I can't decide which one it is. Well, they didn't take anything. She was putting out bread, peanut butter. She was putting out, like, pop uh, Fruit Loops. Captain Crunch along the little border You're of the patio. You're not supposed to, to feed try. the monkeys. Yeah, I know that, and so does she. Okay. In fact, I was afraid that when housekeeping would come through, they'd see it, and we'd get reprimanded for it. So right before we would leave for the day, I'd flick the little things off into the jungle and let them, you know. But there was a, there were a couple monkeys that came onto our patio, and they were not interested at all in the food we were leaving. They would get up into the rafters, and they'd pick bugs off, dead bugs off of the uh, off the rafters and eat those, which I guess are more tasty. And then howler monkeys, when we were at the howler beach, you could hear the howler nuts. monkeys screaming yeah. at you. Those are not nice. Well, if you remember the end no. of my story, the monkey did not like the sour gummy worms. So maybe then, maybe they've all Well, that learned. was 10 years ago, you said? 12 years ago, yeah. Well, yeah. So it's perhaps spread. The word, word spreads. Around. You know how monkeys are. Yes. Yeah. We almost got a fish for our office while you were gone. No, we didn't. Um, because Blake was going to clean the bowl once a week, What's and Nick happen? was going to teach the fish tricks. That might actually. What kind of fish were we? Uh, a beta fish. Nope. But then I didn't want to do that without you. You know, I felt like <laughs> it would be weird if you came back and we had a new member of the family. Aka, she knew she'd get a fish, and the bowl would never get clean because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> The uh, the weather there was never probably less than 79 degrees nice. and never more than about 88 degrees. So it was a very narrow range in temperature, and it was obviously very humid. I mean, there were days where it was pouring rain. We'd get probably three-quarters of an inch of rain a day. Yeah. But it would only come in the span of about an hour and a half. So right? it was it just all pouring. of a sudden, boom, boom. And then it and stops, the, and then water's gone, did, and you're good to go. Did you have the hot springs or the hot pool type thing at your place? No. Okay. I mean, a pool, but it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't. Well, that's great. And the the ocean itself was warm enough that you yeah. never felt like it was uncomfortable. At yeah. All. But we we would get up first thing in the morning and brew Costa Rican coffee, and it would we'd sit so out good. on the porch, and you know, long before the kids would get up, we'd just sit out there and read or talk or whatever. And my wife came to this realization, like the when you get off that airplane, or get out of the van or whatever, you know, and you're in air conditioning, you open that van, and everything is so warm. And it's so humid that you just you just relax. It just automatically just comes over. You just relax. Yeah. She equated it to, and it made perfect sense. A weighted blanket. 
Like the weighted blanket that I have, the one that you wear at the dentist when you're getting an x-ray, that lead blanket where you just lay there and you so go, heavy. Oh, it's just, I just want to mm, not Because the moisture move. is so heavy. So, and it's so great. You just sit there. Yeah. No desire to move. We did see a few people running, like jogging, fitness-wise jogging. We thought, you're crazy. You, you're going to sweat it all off anyway. Why are you moving? Just stand still. But it was great. It was wonderful. I've decided I'm going to open up a restaurant that serves nothing but beans and rice. Do you uh, have a bit of the uh, wanderlust? Have you thought about your next vacation? No. Okay. That's good. Well, we did talk about it. We we asked the kids, like, you know, this is totally out of character for us. Where else would you like to go? Yeah. It's kind of fun. Once you get bit by the travel bug, it's kind of hard. I, I always get kind of frustrated with myself when I'm on vacation. I'm like, what, where do I want to go next? As opposed to just enjoying the moment. Yeah. Just enjoy the moment. Yeah. Asshat. We have some interesting internal discussion. Uh, what you watch your Wednesday when we come back? Petrus is going to tell us about The Bachelorette. Gary and Shannon, KFIM 640. The following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. Gary and Shannon, on Wednesdays, thank goodness we get to do uh, What You Watch on Wednesday. We talk about stuff that's going on on television. We'll do uh, an update on Westworld. I had to power through a couple of episodes yesterday just to get to the get back into the work mode. But, More than one Westworld in a oh, day is a lot. Me I mean, it. that's some real work you have to get done. That'll screw up your dream sequences, that's for sure. I actually liked this uh, this episode of The Bachelorette, P. Hi. Hey. Petros well, Papadakis joins us to do our... Hi, uh, sorry, Gary. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, our quick breakdown on what goes on on The Bachelorette. Like most shows, you quick? got you to get well, to episode three to really get into it, you know? Why and, did you like this? You know, all the all the ladies, not to be a person that, that knows the difference between men and women, because I don't think they're supposed to be one anymore, but <laughs> all the ladies I've talked to really enjoyed the episode. Yeah. And I thought it was just absolutely excruciatingly boring, except for a few uh, very contrived, probably planted highlights, which I did sort of enjoy. But don't you find her to be painfully boring? I do. She's like dinner at white people's house. They don't I, know how to properly season meat. Totally. And they don't even have salt and pepper totally. on the table. No <laughs> sauce on the screwed. tacos. The, ma- the meat's not marinated. It's terrible. Absolutely. They don't even use sharp cheddar cheese. But here's the thing about her. I, I think we've got a whole dish of crazy headed our way. I think she's holding back, and by the Ooh. end of the season, she's going to be freaking nuts. Here's- well, she does have two hand tattoos. Yes, right. she does. I just don't know she if she has the chops, Shannon. I I just don't know if she's got the fire in her. Okay, but you know what? I wanted to explain something to you because I heard you doing your Bachelorette report yesterday. um, And you found it odd that she would take issue with Colton having kissed her friend. What's her friend's name? Tia. Tia. Well, first of all, it's all a lie. They didn't just kiss. They had wild No, uh, he's a, he's a virgin. He's a virgin. Yeah, he's a virgin. Um, <laughs> so is so Tim Tebow. But uh, no, the, the, the reason these, these hands pecking about it, then you can take issue wait, with me well, taking no, issue. But the, no, but here's the thing: it's not about the kiss or the alleged sex that happened. It's about the fact that it was with her friend. Who cares? They're all friends because on reality TV, you cannot they met sleep each other with your friends' exes to be uh, together. 
Yeah. It's all they're all losers. They're all going to end up on a show where they all make out with each other called Bachelor in Paradise. Mm. I don't want to hear that. Oh, Becca. Oh, I don't know. He kissed her. Oh, shut up, Becca. Get over yourself <laughs> and the whole freaking thing. You're kissing every dude in the world and you were on The Bachelorette where every chick was kissing your guy who you got engaged to and dumped you. It's just because they're friends, though. It's hard to be friends with somebody if you're sleeping with her ex. Hell, I got lots of friends. Oh. Yeah, Gary. Confession yeah. time. Listen to these listen to these hands pecking at each other in the hand house. The most we did was kiss. And we ah. never really had like an established conversation about what we were. We just knew like he told me early, like within a few days of talking to him, he told me about applying for the show. Mm-hmm. Do you think he was hoping it was you? I mean, possibly, I, possibly I feel like yeah. That was, I mean, a possibility. A very big possibility. Yeah, and, oh, my God. I don't know. Why does he have to sign up for the show <laughs> to hook up with the girl he's already hooking up with? Yeah. Because they're thirsty. Yes, yes, that is the key. They thirsty. all want to be on lot, TV. A lot That's of thirst. The premise. You're not looking at it through the right prism. These are people that want to make out on TV, and that's not natural. Uh, <laughs> you know who is naturally awesome, though, Shannon? Who is that? Jordan? Or no, wait, what's his name? The male yes. model? You got it. Okay. Jordan, the Wilhelmina model. <laughs> this uh, was Jordan the, this is, is my favorite part of maybe a Bachelor or Bachelorette show ever, this monologue he goes on. Yeah, it's really good. And he's, I got to say, Gary, if you haven't seen this guy, he's almost like a drawing good looking. Really? Like a, but like not a Disney in prince? any way that's memorable or has any kind of character. He might oh. be good looking, but then he opens his mouth and oh, it's, he's all awful. it's all he gone. He has no substance. He talks really quickly. He thinks he's really being impactful when he speaks, which is the best part about the whole thing. And he fights with the chicken man, uh, David. And the chicken man's not that cool either, Shannon. <laughs> no, I can't stand it. He's too wafy for me. Yeah, he's creepy. Uh, so the chicken man is getting after he, he's getting after uh, Jordan the model, and they just keep going back and forth on this group date and pecking and pecking at each other, worse than the ladies. And and here it is, the culmination monologue uh, where where Jordan has reached his tipping point. It's funny you think I'm a joke. I'm, I'm a Wilhelmine model. I don't think you know what that means. I have an image, and if you're trying to if you're trying to tear down my image in my three year contract with them. It's actually pretty serious. It's, it's something some people consider the top. So if you're trying to do that, you're failing at it because guess what? Attached to me is professionality. It's my face. It's in everything I do. It's the way it's I walk. It's the, way, it's the way I talk, okay? So if you want to try to wreck my image, you'll never succeed. You know why? Because my image is me. Bam! My ah. image is me. I would like to extend that message to both of you. <laughs> That your image is you? Yeah, whenever you get my name in your mouth about, you know, not wearing shoes in the bathroom or something. Just remember, attached to me is professionality. And and great shoulders, and my, I and would my, add. Yes, and my, my great action you, figure shoulders. I bet you could score a three-year contract with Wilhelmina. <laughs> Wilhelmina. You know what, Shannon? I got to say, uh, when I was in really good shape as a younger man, I was uh, I was playing football. And I was running sprints at San Pedro High School. And uh, I was running or walking at that point shirtless toward a group of women. And one of them said, ooh, he looked good. 
And then the other one looked at the other girl and said, not from the neck up. Ooh, that's it not, hurt. Did it hurt? It hurt deep. I remember it today. I'm 40 years old. <laughs> P, I, I think that we speak for everyone when we tell you that you're a beautiful man. Thank you. It's Basil Rathbone's birthday, and I'd like to think I have a striking resemblance to that fabulous character actor. I'm On to, to the final yeah, can clip. We yeah. Can we Google last, that? One last clip. Here you go. They blew up the chicken man. Oh. Uh, the Dude. chicken man oh, fell. Oh, this is funny. This is so dramatized. Well, he, well, he, he fell out of his bunk bed? Yeah. Well, but... listen to the description <laughs> yeah. okay. of uh, what happened. I don't like to play Chris Harrison clips because I think he's just king douche. <laughs> totally. But uh, I have to play this. There was an incident at the house last night. Oh. One of your guys was rushed <laughs> to the hospital, and he's in intensive care. Wait, what? <laughs> who is it? David is who got hurt. Busted nose, busted face. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Who did that? Who did it? Um, he fell out of bed and landed on his face. What? Oh, my God. Um, but he's going to be okay. That's how big of a whore Chris Harrison is. Oh my god! Right? I mean, he, yeah, he's leading her down. Yeah, he's leading her down this path of somebody beat the hell out of this guy. Yeah, and then he's like, he fell out of bed. <laughs> oh my god! Do you think his eyes opened right before his face just smashed on the ground? And then his excuse was, "Well, I have a king size bed at home, so." Oh my god! Uh, this twin bunk bed uh, it caught me off guard. Was he on the top? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it could happen. I guess it did. It happened to the chicken man. They blew up the chicken man. His house remains intact. Oh, thank goodness. He's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good uh, times. Thank you. This episode uh, had everything. You sure you want me to stick around to talk about Westworld? Do you want to? I don't know, man. Nobody I... fell out of a bunk bed in Westworld. No, no. Everybody fell out of... Uh... <laughs> An Orwellian nightmare. Yes. Where's Yule Brenner? That's the Westworld he was, I missed. He was in the first season. Was he? Well. The, you liar. You the, lied. <laughs> the character, the the old gunslinger, the character was kind of in the back in the shadows in one of the shots. Was he? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's very, a nice, See, nice uh, homage he, to the original. Gary listens. Not, not only does he watch Westworld, he listens to a Westworld podcast. A couple of them couple of them. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I'm that guy. I was about to be like, wow, Gary, your attention to detail is impeccable. And now I just know on your commute, you're like, oh, I better check in with this. (laughs) Petros, thank you. (laughs) Thanks, man. Bye, guys. Thank you. See you Friday. That's right. Friday, we're going to be out at uh, the Slide Bar in Fullerton doing our latest news and brews. So we'll be out there for the entire show, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., We'd love it if you would come on out. We'll remind you uh, throughout the day and uh, throughout uh, tomorrow as well before we get to the show on Friday. Coming back, uh, Roseanne, the idea that uh, maybe they will still have a spinoff is still out there. Also, Westworld. I got two episodes I got to tell you about. One of them I'll do very quickly, but the other one I got to spend some time on. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Remember that killing rampage in the Phoenix area? The guy that seemed to be killing everybody that had something to do with his divorce? Well, the wife is now talking about some serious signs that she 
uh, was able to detect throughout their 22-year marriage. We'll have that tale coming up after Monica's news at the top of the hour. But we are in the middle of What You Watch in Wednesday. Uh, before we get to our Westworld recap, briefly, the producers of Roseanne are moving towards an agreement that would allow them to go with a Roseanne spinoff, maybe focusing on Becky or, or somebody, another character. And Roseanne Barr is considering foregoing any profits from the new show because some of the showrunners were saying, wait a minute, we, we're not going to move forward with a new show if she's still making money off of it. So now she's said to be like hunkered down in Utah with her parents and trying to figure out how she can get, get all those people back to work. That's the only way I think they're going to do it is to get her uh, away from it, which is weird considering it's her name. It's her character that started all of this. She would still, I assume, get some sort of a credit on it, like an executive producer credit or something like that. I don't think they want her to have anything. But they strange. Whitney Cummings, one of the showrunners, said that uh, they would absolutely redo this, that they would absolutely do a spinoff as long as she doesn't have anything to do with it. Which is strange. Um, speaking of, of television, a friend of mine is a member of the Television Academy now and has been getting all of these screeners, uh, which are, if you're not in the business, you don't know this, the, the different production companies send you cases of TV shows that are, hey, uh, if, you've, you know, if you like Golden Ladies of Wrestling Allison Brie would make a great best actress in a comedy series or something like that. And they send you a season on DVD of whatever show these these are. Yeah. Well, in his case, he doesn't have a DVD player. He doesn't have a Blu-ray player. He just doesn't. I mean, right. doesn't. So he's got hundreds of discs that you can't give away. You can't transfer them. You can't sell them. Um, you just have to what do you, sit on them. Seriously, what do you do with screeners? I uh, mean, because when we get them, we just get them in a, like a, a little jacket. They're not as cumbersome. Right, because and ours I mean, is usually just one. Do it's we have movie. to drive them to the landfill ourselves to get rid of them? I don't know. I don't know what the policy is. Do you return them to the sender if you're going to not use them anymore? I don't know. But it's it's funny that they've got this whole thing, and you see this if you're in L.A., especially if you're visiting and you're not used to this. Everywhere you see, every bus stop, every billboard, everything right now is for your consideration. Magazines that we get, uh, the union stuff that we get from Screen Actors Guild, everything for your consideration. Here's this show or here's this movie and here's why you should vote for them. It's just, it's kind of funny. Westworld. Westworld. Here you go. Uh, I didn't, uh, last week, obviously Jane did a little recap, I understand. Uh, and I'll only say about episode seven of Westworld, Le Escorche. I feel like we're running out of time. But we know that Dr. Ford is back in the machine. I, I want to hear your Westworld recap. Well, here you go. Here's the. All right. Should we wait? No, we'll do it. Okay. It's very quick because it's. It, by the by the way, you haven't watched any of this season. No, it's watch people this were episode. Say, yeah, people said it's the best episode ever. Episode eight, Kiksuya, is a tangent from the rest of it in that it's not shot the same way. It doesn't. There are still time jumps and things like that, but it's a. It's an incredible way to tell the similar story of one of these hosts waking up. And this is the story of Akacheta, who you see as one of the Ghost Nation guys, you know, the painted Indian guys that we see. You see him and his story. He's actually telling it to Maeve's daughter. Mostly, I think it's a Lakota language or whatever language they're using for him. He's using it in that language, so it's a lot of subtitles, etc. But it's his story about how he fell in love and then realized something was wrong because he kept reliving the same days over and over again, like Groundhog Day. And then 
had found, if you remember Logan, the a-hole brother-in-law from the first season, he finds him. And he says, mumbles something about this is this world is wrong. This is the wrong world, which plants a seed in Akacheta's head that something is wrong and becomes this journey of his to find the door out of this world. He realizes that the woman that he fell in love with is not the same woman. They put a new robot in her place and he tries to find her and eventually makes his way back. Well, one way to do it the same way Maeve did it, which was allow somebody to kill you. You wake up underground and then find the woman that you love. Right. Which in this case was a robot that had been put in cold storage. So it was this heartbreaking but beautifully shot. They film in Well, Utah can't they bring her back to life? They can, but he can't. Okay. I mean, he doesn't know. He, he's not fully understanding what's been going on, but he knows that something is at play. Um, they film a lot of this in Utah, this specific episode, and it's gorgeous, amazingly shot episode. Uh, he also has the man in black and kept him captive, but then gave him to... The man in black's daughter who came, remember, she was uh, betrayed by her own father. Yeah. She's like, nah, I'm going to kick his ass. Uh, so she takes him. So it's it's good. I mean, it's 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 also that Akacheta has been communicating with Maeve through her daughter. She's downstairs. You know, she's down in the, one of the labs. And, and they use this little mesh network to kind of communicate. And basically, he says, I will protect your daughter for you. Do you so. think the uh, the showrunners know where the show's running to? Uh, they better. Because they got two episodes left in this season. Mm. So they they better they better have an idea. Coming up next, what the backstory is for the man that went on that rampage near Phoenix. We'll have it right here on Gary and Shannon. I like that you broke you broke you like me. Maybe that makes me a fool. I like that you lonely, lonely like me. I could be lonely with you. Gary and Shannon. Now's the time to start coming up with an excuse. An excuse for why you're not going to be at work for a chunk of the time on Friday. Do you think that would work for me? Yes. Uh, Really? I'll let you know that food poisoning works well with Chris Little. You just, nobody questions (laughs) diarrhea. You can't defend. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You cannot defend against diarrhea. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I, Monica, would uh, green light that. (laughs) Light. You just call him Friday morning and say, oh, man, I I, I had some chimichangas. I've got, I've got the downs. Can't make it to work. The mm. downs. Yeah. Is that code for diarrhea? Yeah, that's what I call it because ups is obviously puking and downs is, you know, ah. nice way to say. That is that is a nice way to say yeah. diarrhea. Tell me you have a liquidation sale. Oh, everything, no. Everything must go. <laughs> Front door, back door, we're, having, we're blowing it out. Wow. Is that a barbecue aisle? <laughs> it's just a mess. <laughs> Uh, News and Brews Friday at the Slide Bar in Fullerton will be there. Monica will be in there after she calls in sick. It's going to be a great time. $5 craft beer pints. Ah, America. And it's Friday. And it's Friday. Right. Mm. Um, Okay. So I'm I'm reading through the story today in the L.A. Times. And all I can think about is, and it's a terrible thought because it's real life, but I would watch that movie. It sounds like a Halle Berry movie. It sounds a little bit sleeping with the enemy, Julia Roberts style. It's an elaborate tale of hiding from a monster for years and years and years. What was the other one? Jennifer Lopez did one like this as well. Yes. Enough. Was it enough? Maybe. I'm Googling because that's going to drive me crazy. Uh, Connie Jones and Dwight Lamont Jones. Connie and Dwight had been married for about 22 years. And they... Yes, enough. It was enough. Yeah. 
um, and they ended up getting a divorce. And after they did, Dwight was perennially unemployed. He stopped shaving. He stopped cutting his hair. And Connie would say in the interactions with him, you could look in his eyes, but nobody was there. We've all seen those mug shots of the dead eyes. Usually it's one of those active shooters. And she saw that look in his eyes before there was a mug shot, knowing that one day there would be a mug shot. Um, the final blow to their marriage was about nine years ago. That was when he threatened to kill her and kidnap their son. That's what led her to finally file for divorce in a protective order. But as you know, if you know about abusive relationships, that is not the end. There really is rarely an end when when guys are, are this crazed. She ended up um, hiring a uh, an investigator, Rick Anglin, who was a retired police detective out of Phoenix to protect her and her son. That ended up in romance. I mean, they eventually got married. But the things that she would do just to avoid detection from her ex-husband, she would do things like move from safe house to safe house. They went through three different safe houses. Um, she worked at a hospital, which didn't change, but she would work. Uh, she would switch through, rotate through rental cars. Imagine would... living like that. You have to change out your car because you're afraid that your ex-husband, who you share a child with, is going to hunt you down and kill you. It's so bad that you have to change your car every a couple weeks. Um, any personal habits that they had. Maybe a favorite place to have dinner. Maybe there's that place that you always go to or a handful of places that you that you go to. You have to change all that. Or she felt that, that they needed to change all that. They had to deprogram from what they normally do. That's what the investigator taught her. You know, don't don't let him know any advanced patterns that you have. Just a, a bizarre lifestyle like you're talking about. And, and knowing everywhere you go that you have to look over your shoulder. She talked about going to the grocery store, looking over her shoulder, about going to a movie theater and always sitting in the back. So she had a better view of who was coming and going out of the theater. She says, it has become my personality. I don't know how to go out and not look around and, and, and see who's around me. That level of just constant paranoia, that is an incredible stress. The investigator that she hired to protect herself and her son also gave her extensive training with guns, uh, defensive driving in case her husband was going to ram her off the road or try to ram her off the road. Uh, it, it's bizarre as well. I didn't realize this until seeing it today that she was required to pay for him, that that in the divorce proceeding, she had to provide for him financially because he was so destitute at the time. And she was so worried that when that money ran out, that that would be when he snapped that that would be the undoing because, again, he's disheveled, he's not working, he's just a complete mess. And the fact that you still have to go to court proceedings, and, and we'll get into that, but, like, you know, you still have to go to a family court and make a case for this monster not being able to see the sun and how hard that is to get an order like that in, in family court. Somebody that you're hiding from with every ounce of your being every minute of the day. You have to go sit in a courtroom with and, and try to explain why you don't think he should be able to see 
your shared son. And we know how this ended. He never got the mental health treatment that had been ordered by the court. Um, the, Connie was unable to obtain protective orders after four years. She said she never stopped being afraid. And then May 31st is when he struck out at the people around the divorce proceedings. His first victim, Stephen Pitt, a forensic psychiatrist who I think worked on the Jean Benet case, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. He, he, tes- he testified that without mental help, uh, that Dwight was going to become increasingly paranoid, likely psychotic, and even pose a greater risk to perp- for perpetrating violence. The next victims, Valeria Sharp, Laura Anderson, paralegals at the law firm where Connie's divorce attorney worked. Uh, fourth victim was Marshall Levine, a psychiatrist who shared office space with the counselor Connie had hired for the couple's son. And then the final victims, Mary Simmons and Byron Thomas who did not have a connection to the divorce case, but Simmons apparently sometimes played tennis with the killer. The, they, at the time, the couple, Connie and her um, investigator-turned-husband, were in an isolated cabin just kind of holed up as, as the victims were growing, the, the number of victims were growing and growing. Uh, yeah, he eventually took... Uh took his own life when they were closing in on him at some, you know, extended stay place in Scottsdale. But shouldn't so. there be like a, hey, uh, my husband's nuts. I have to hide from him all the time. I have to do this elaborate ruse to get him not to, to stalk me. I think he's going to kill somebody. Isn't there someone who can call in for that? You would think. But, I mean, if he's caught up in the courts like that, I just, that's got to be the probably more frustrating, as frustrating as the fear is the feeling that no one is helping me. No one is, you know, help. No one in the legal system is protecting me. Right. That she had to go out and hire her own investigator to do this. So, want to talk about that fire? Oh, yeah. Well, why not? We got some fires. We'll do that next. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. <laughs> Fire news. I have, I have one more thing about my vacation, too. Oh, yes. Okay, I have two uh, breaking news type stories locally. Okay. Number one, Teen Mom. If you watch Teen Mom, you know Farah Abraham. Or if you watch Dirty, Dirty Videos, you know who Farah Abraham is. She is an atrocious person. She is terrible to her parents. She has no respect for anyone. She is a big apple. Yeah. She's been arrested. She was arrested at the Beverly Hills Hotel this morning. She got into an argument with guests inside the restaurant. Security asked her to leave. She started hitting and punching the guy, wasted. She was booked. And uh, TMZ reports that while the whole thing was going down, she was shouting things like, you should know who I am. Sweetie, you got onto Whoa. a show because yes. you were 15 or 16 years old and pregnant. And then and then turn that into a, a, a porn career. Porn career. Good lord. Also, uh, another big news story locally today: several brown pelicans will be released back into the wild in San Pedro. <laughs> About five to six, especially expected to be freed this afternoon. These were pelicans that were found malnourished. How did you find out this this news? Malnourished and disoriented. It crossed the wire. This is a big deal. The, the the number of six seabirds is decreasing, um, and they hope to treat and release more of them soon. But fly on, pelicans. Fly on. Fly on. Uh, just a quick 
I, I, I realize that Americans are bad people sometimes yeah. when we travel to other places. Yeah. On our way back from Costa Rica, the plane leaving Costa Rica was delayed for a short time, 45 minutes, so not a big deal. The plane leaving Florida was delayed for a short time. Not a big deal. Um, but it was about an hour late. We still landed in perfect, you know, perfectly acceptable time. But then we do this thing where you're you're done with your vacation. Every, all your plane travel is over. All you have to do is get home from the airport, right? It's 30 minutes or so. Once you land, the pilot comes on and says, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, it appears that someone is at our gate. So we're going to be stuck out here on the tarmac for a good uh, 25, maybe 30 minutes. I'll update you when I can. The plane has landed. Like, we're done. Yeah. We're done. We're, we're just all waiting for the little thing to go, boom. Everybody on the old, the entire plane unclips their seatbelts and gets off, right? So we're sitting there waiting, finishing watching or whatever movie or reading, whatever. And then finally the plane starts moving. We're, okay, finally, we're going to get to the gate. We pull up to the gate. Boom. That little tone goes mm-hmm. off. And every, you know, 200 seatbelts all unclasp at the exact same moment. My wife and I are sitting across from each other where the aisle is between us. And we're about 13, 14 rows back. Everybody kind of stands up at the same time. We know halfway back in the plane, it's going to be a good five, ten minutes before we're going to move, right? But somebody from about three rows back, as soon as that boom, unclasped a seatbelt, she grabs her bag and starts running up the aisle. Oh, yeah. Now, I saw her because I had turned around, and my wife didn't. So my wife gets up, and she's standing, and she just, you know, when you're on the aisle, there's always free reign. Like, you can stretch your leg out a little. Sure. Maybe stretch, get out in the aisle and stretch. And this woman runs square into my wife. I mean, boom. And my wife does a slow burn and turn around and look. She's And the woman says, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even see you. What? So I see that my wife does this slow burn thing where if she has to say something to this woman, it is not going to go down well. And we're still on the plane. And I know that the FBI would get involved. If- Were you worried about a terror in the skies moment? Totally. Yeah. So I do this thing where I'm, I'm kind of looking like, well, I'm not sure exactly what to do because I don't want to yell at this woman either. Yeah. Because she's being a total apple. You're not going right. to run to the front of but the But don't plane. engage. So all I did was, and, and that by that point, everyone was in the aisle. Like everyone who was on the aisle is now in the aisle. So nobody can move one way or the other. So I just... Stick my foot, like, between the two of them. Yeah. And squish my way in between the two of them just so there's a body between them. Yeah. So that she didn't turn around and rip this woman's head off. Planes, like, who, are you, who do you think you are? Planes need more people like you <sighs> to get involved and to be diplomatic, come up with diplomatic solutions. Because tensions run high, especially after a long trip like that oh, and, yes. and the delay on the tarmac. Right. You, somebody's going to get pissed off over something that they don't usually get pissed off over. I, and I look, people criticize me because I'm a rule follower about these things. Like, I'll, I'll sit there with my seatbelt on just because that's what... You know, they kind of expect me to do. I don't want to cause any problems. That's fine. I don't have. I don't have. It's not going to change my day one way or the other. But this woman running down the aisle, I just if she didn't run into my wife, I would have tripped her. Well, I would just to play devil's advocate. Maybe she had a connection because there was the delay that was tight. Not at twelve thirty in the morning. I don't know. I'm just trying to make an excuse for a holery. Coming up next. We'll talk about the fire, give you an update. Also, the Golden State Killer victims could get some state money from uh, 
for, or excuse me, for emotional harm. We'll tell you how that'll play out when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. On this uh, Wednesday, it's June 13th, an hour from now when we get into Swamp Watch. Talk about the president's tweets after he landed back in D.C. this morning, coming back from Singapore and his uh, meeting with North Korea's leader. Also, the longtime Trump attorney, Michael Cohen, has been telling friends that he is expecting that he will be arrested sometime very, very soon. So we'll get into that at 1230. We've got news about the East Area Rapist slash Golden State Killer, and I want to pull the car over right there. Sacramento Bee will call this guy the East Area Rapist because I understand that the rapes kicked all of this off if you if you set aside the Visalia ransackings in Sacramento. This was the community that was paralyzed by the ridiculous number of rapes that happened in, in, the, in the late 70s there. But then he went on to kill people in and around Sacramento and the rest of the state, which is how he earned the moniker Golden State Killer. I believe Michelle McNamara came up with that. But the Sacramento Bee is still referring to him as the East Area Rapist. And it kind of comes off to me as this weird territorial grab over this serial killer. Like, well, he's ours. It started here and he was the East Area Rapist. So we're just going to go with that. I don't know. It's just it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. It it. it if though if that's the reason they're doing it, then it adds a tinge of, of weird selfishness. Yeah, it. I don't know if it's the reason, but that's how it comes off a little yeah. bit. Um, we have found out that the uh, the some of the victims uh, are now potentially going to receive financial remuneration from the California Victim Compensation Board because they are trying to add new language to a Senate bill that would allow victims of this guy to receive compensation now that a suspect has been identified under the bill victims who incurred emotional harm or a moment a monetary loss as the result of the arrest would have until december 31st 2019 to apply for compensation they can just go to victims.ca.gov to do so the i guess the strangest part about this is that it's still not i I don't know i don't know if this is a lot of money if it changes the way we do this or if it changes someone's attitude about a crime that was committed against them the the most that you could receive according to the compensation benefit reference guide the maximum reimbursement that anyone would be allowed is seventy thousand dollars and again that's the maximum so it's going to depend on what sort of emotional harm what sort of monetary losses are claimed and then approved by the board but if you're talking about 12 murders 51 rapes 63 those are the victims that we know about uh, or their families. So we're still, it doesn't make a lot of sense that this is going to, to end up being a lot of money, especially now you're talking 20, 30 years after some of these cases took place. So it's it's just a strange version of it, although I don't have a problem with victim compensation funds. It just doesn't make a lot of sense that that it was going to impact anyone's life. We did learn some things from the arrest warrant, Number one, DA, DNA evidence from the Smith murders was key. This was the Ventura County murders. The search warrant out of Sacramento County expands on the major role that the DNA from this double murder of Lyman and Charlene Smith played. 
in linking the Golden State killer crimes to the East Area rapist crimes. Uh, in 2001, DNA analysis linked semen found on Charlene Smith's body to the evidence in three sex assault cases in Contra Costa County. Years earlier, in 1996, DNA found on Charlene Smith had also matched semen found in four Orange County homicides. It seems like that was the, the missing link to link all of it, all those crimes together, all those different areas. One of the other things that they were looking for specifically was stolen goods, that when they believed that all of these crimes were committed by the same guy, there was a good chance that he was going to still have what would eventually have been trophies uh, from this case and from the Smith case specifically on High Point Drive. They said there were seven gold rings, some with rubies, diamonds, and pearls, a gold heart, a gold nugget, a gold horseshoe, gold earrings, several gold chains, and then a very specific, they said a unique, one-of-a-kind Chinese gambling chip that they were looking for. And again, this was in the search warrant, so we don't know exactly whether or not these items were found uh, either before or after the arrest, but we do know that that's specifically what they were looking for from this uh, from the Smith murders. It also looks like this search warrant was really anything that you can find you have access to. It, this warrant allowed authorities broad access to the home there in Citrus Heights, as well as any outbuildings, boats, containers on the property. This is pretty textbook, um, but it gave investigators access to journals or, or diaries, any locked safe or chest or anything about that. The other piece of news coming out of the Golden State Killer case is there was some talk about a Simi Valley double, double murder from 1978. There was a, a man that, that they hooked up for it that was caught and convicted, and it turned out he was innocent. So people were wondering if the murders of Rhonda Witched, uh, 24, and her four-year-old son belonged to the Golden State Killer. And the DNA says no. They said that the the murder case was reopened. Craig Coley, a 71-year-old guy, had been serving a life sentence in the murders since 1980. Uh, but they finally uh, made uh, took another look at this case. It was reopened in 2016 after some leftover DNA samples from the 78 crime scene were found at a lab in Northern California. And they built a male DNA profile. It wasn't this guy's. It wasn't Craig Coley's. So he was pardoned. He was released from prison just before Thanksgiving of last year. Uh, but they said now DNA was also not that of Joseph D'Angelo. Well, this is this is uh, this could change things around here. No, it couldn't. This plan to split California into three states. No, it couldn't. No, it couldn't. It's a non-starter. You think? I have a message for this guy. Okay, which which guy? The guy who put this thing on the ballot. Uh, what was his name? Um, Tim Draper. All right. Tim Draper's uh, apparently swimming in money and bored out of his mind. I can't wait to hear your message. Okay. I haven't heard a good Hoffman rant in three weeks. So you're counting the time I was here the week before I left? Well, you were gone a long time. <laughs> okay. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Conversations while you were gone. Did I tell you that we uh, we put a pimp on the air and a, and a prostitute, Dennis Hoff, and uh, Paris was her name. 
Wait, from the Bunny Ranch, Dennis yeah. Hall? The guy who just won the thing? He the primary. The primary. Yeah. I said, what are you doing running for office? He said, actually, it was a big mistake. <laughs> I mean, you run brothels. What the hell are you doing running for office? But I guess, there, he, you know, he feels like freedoms are being infringed upon out there. So he wants to enact change. But he offered me to go work there. Mm. It was very bizarre. Yeah, starting in August, Shan's doing a two-week stint. No. I said I'd be a greeter like at Walmart. Two-week stint. Two weeks in August in Nevada? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Get the ripe ones. Guys, no. Why? You're the one who volunteered for Greeter. Wait, uh, will you still do the show from there? I was just trying to be polite. I was just trying to be polite to him by by offering up the Greeter role. That's that's, what you get for being nice. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know why I try to act differently. Stop breaking character. Yeah. Good call. Oh, Tim. Tim, Tim, Tim. Tim Draper is this venture capitalist up in the Silicon Valley who sponsored a ballot measure to cut California into three states. Tim. Tim, Tim, Tim. Do you have so much money, so much money, that you're just willing to burn it? He says the three states will get us better infrastructure, better education, lower taxes. Mm, Great. The state is fractured when you think about northern, northern California and southern California. I totally agree. To different peoples. I totally agree. Northern California would consist of 40 counties stretching from Oregon south to Santa Cruz County, then east to Merced and Mariposa County. Southern California would begin with Madera County in the Central Valley and then work its way down. And then uh, there's a third third state that is California, and that would be just the coast from Monterey to L.A. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You, what, you what, seem very upset. Well, by this. here's the thing. Not only do we have to approve it. I mean, the fact that it's on the ballot is one thing, that there are 300-some-odd thousand people wh- who are complete idiots. Four, I'm sorry, 400,000 people. Who are complete uh, idiots. There are still, still members of the state legislature that would have to approve this plan. Get this. You would also have to have have it approved in the Congress of these great United States of America. Yesterday, elections officials said a sample of the signatures projects more than 402,000 of them are valid. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be on the November ballot. Yes. The cost of this is unclear, but he, this guy spent about $5 million of his own money on an unsuccessful signature drive four years ago. He does have money F and away. U money. Yes. Yeah. Uh, listen. You know what he could do with his money instead of this? He could build that wildlife bridge. He could build a new state with the money that he has. He... There have been 200 attempts to either reconfigure California's boundaries, split it into pieces, or secede from the entire union. The last three-state proposal uh, failed at the state capitol back in 1993. This is one of those strange and bizarre, why do people get infatuated with this types of issues? I don't understand this. Because Northern California doesn't want... L.A. and San Francisco to speak for them. Yes. Southern California doesn't want L.A. and San Francisco to speak for them. Yeah, I, and the thing <laughs> is, 
All of those things make sense. And yes, governing a state the size of California is not an easy prospect, although I think we could do some things a little bit better than we've been doing for the last 25 or 30 years that I've been conscious of it. But that's just me. This is not the answer to it. It is absolutely not the answer to it. Why would anybody outside of California? Because remember, we don't just get to say California is now three states. We don't just get to say that and it happens. It has to be approved on a federal level as well. Why would anybody on a federal level approve this? There is still quite the effort by activists to have all of California secede from the United States. uh, And that placed on the ballot in 2020. And here's the thing. Now, that part of it, if if that part went to the point where it was a, a, a votable thing and made its way to Congress... There would be plenty of people who said, fine, get the F out. Steve Maviglio. Did you ever uh, do any dealings with Steve Maviglio up in Sacramento? I remember the name, but I don't. He's not the he's not the kindest and warmest of people, Uh but he has been entrenched in California politics for a very long time. He says that this would cost taxpayers billions of dollars. You you would have to pay for the massive transactional costs of breaking up the state, uh, universities, parks, retirement systems, all of that. Just the, the infrastructure of it is not feasible. I just Not to mention water and, oh, my gosh, it just sounds like a headache. I want to know more about Tim Draper, don't you? Maybe we should get him on. Well, uh, I would ask about his history. I know that he's a Bitcoin guy. I mean, he's an outspoken advocate for, for cryptocurrency. Uh, I don't know how he feels about Potcoin. He was uh, an early investor in companies like Skype and Hotmail and... And if you could get onto the ground floor on some of these things, I guess you do live in a world where you just get to play fantasy games. And this is, you know, this is the rich uh, version of Dungeons and Dragons, I suppose, is how can we make an impact? Why you would think, though, that your bid to split the state into three pieces is different than everyone else's? Or would have more success than, than anyone else's? He was one of the first investors in that Theranos a blood testing thing. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a new book out about that. I want to read that. That sounds fascinating. Well, I, it's just uh, this is a ridiculously bad idea. I shouldn't say it's a bad idea. I understand where it comes from. But if you spent more time and energy and effort electing people into the state legislature who could overcome some of the already ridiculously hard issues in the state of California... That's that's money well spent, money better spent than throwing millions of dollars into a proposition that's eventually going to die. Well, it is almost noon, and you know what that means here on the Gary and Shannon Show. Lunchtime! Lunchtime, and we get you up to date with everything everyone's talking about oh. everywhere, and we've got exciting news. <gasps> You're pregnant. No. Oh. I want to wake up where you Join us at the Slide Bar in Fullerton. We will be there for a gas news and brews event. $5 craft beer pints, great food, fun. Gropen Hoffman, if you want. Wow. Not for sale. I am not for sale. No, I know. You don't charge. Oh. What else is going on? 
Time for What's Happening. Uh, looks like we've made some progress overnight. Firefighters making progress on this brush fire that broke out in the Beverly Crest area yesterday near Benedict Canyon. Uh, they call it the Portola Fire because it was uh, near Portola Road, I believe. Just before 2 o'clock last night, Portola Drive, I mean, uh, uh, somebody using a weed whacker in heavy brush sparked the fire. Got to be careful with your weed whackers. Especially when it's 95 degrees outside. 35 to 40 acres, 40% contained. It shut down Beverly Glen and Deep Canyon Drive. Evacuations initially ordered for about 86 homes. And then uh, the people were allowed back in. So good Whenever there's a fire there, it's going to they're going to make quick work out of it for a couple reasons. Number one... L.A. County fire kicks ass. And number two, there's a lot of money in that area. An FBI agent who unintentionally shot somebody while dancing in Denver uh, appeared in court today. Second second degree assault charge. Chase Bishop, 29 years old, turned himself in. It's never a good look when you're... uh, Did you see the video? I did. Yeah, it was at the (laughs) Mile High Spirits Bar and he launched into a back handspring that's when the firearm fell out of his waistband holster onto the floor. Uh, he goes to pick up the weapon and unintentionally fires one shot off. He then put the gun back in his pants and walked away with his hands up. <laughs> I kind of can picture you doing this. No, hold on a second. Which part of what you just said would you see me doing? The whole bit. I don't think I can do a back handspring. I think that if you have a couple... Old fashions or Manhattans. I would not not carry a weapon with me if I was out drinking. That's true. But let's just say the weapon was there. Like I accidentally had a couple of old fashions run into my mouth, and then I went, wait a minute. And then it was like, Gary, you should totally try a backhand spring. No, I can't. I've had a couple. Yes, you can. Oh, you're right. I probably could. And then I do a backhand spring. And then there's a gun on the floor, and you go to pick it up, and it fires. And then you just put it in your pants and walk out with your arms up. Okay. Um, Unless he breaks his neck while trying that backhand spring. Also that. Um, The FBI hasn't said why this guy was carrying his weapon, uh, because if you are an off-duty agent, uh, as this guy was, he's obviously allowed to, but not when you're drinking. Yeah, but I think... And we don't even know if he was. I mean, I haven't heard yet if he was, in fact, drinking. Although, Why the hell would you uh, be at Mile High Spirits Bar doing back handsprings if alcohol wasn't involved? Uh, that's a good question. Maybe he was undercover. Nevada pimp Dennis Hoff, the uh, man who wrote the book called The Art of the Pimp. The man who was the entertainer the night that Lamar Odom OD'd on herbal Viagra and hookers. His, he is now um, going to be running for the state legislature in November. He has won the primary. One of the uh, America. <laughs> one of the things that's been going on in Nevada is they're talking about shutting down some of the brothels, um, specifically Lyon County. Dennis Hoff owns four brothels in in Lyon County, and I just remember, uh, and then in Nye County as well, activists are trying to get signatures on the ballot in Nye County. He owns two more brothels. In that area outside the city of Parump. Now, I've seen the footage of some of his places, right? And it's not like the Old West, um, beautiful women corseted up in, you know, 
bustier things. Uh, Neil it's, was uh, in here yesterday, and he's actually been there yeah. and was describing it as kind of like portables, like uh, you know when when mobile homes, yeah, like mobile homes, portable classroom type things uh, where you go in and you ring a bell, and then all the girls who aren't um, working at that moment come mm-hmm. out, and then you pick, you know, what you want, and then you, there's a menu. The look on your face right now is priceless. Do you need another apple? Do you need to feel cleansed? I'd rather be shot in the leg by an off-duty FBI agent. Well, it looks like North America will host the 2026 World Cup. We got the bid over Morocco. <laughs> because, wow. uh, well, just finances and logistics, it just makes more sense. By the way, World Cup starts, t- Blake, tomorrow? Do games start tomorrow? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But, right. you know, we're you not... We're not in it for like yeah, the 10th year. Oh, we are. We are in it in our our hearts. We are. No wonder soccer's not taking off. Do you know what the official theme of the 2018 World Cup in Russia is? No USA. Live it up by Nikki Jam. Featuring Will Smith and Era Estrefi. They wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah. You're going to get so sick of this song here in the next couple of days. That's all we're going to play. In some real sports news, yeah. Shinnecock Hills, the U.S. Open, kicks off this week. Who is going to win? Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Luke List. Who will don the green jacket come no. Sunday evening? U.S. Open doesn't do the green jacket. That's the Masters. No, I believe it's the green jacket. No? no? It's been away f- in Augusta, Georgia. Look on your face right now is priceless. Well, CBS Sports says who will emerge victorious and wear the green jacket come Sunday evening. Well, then it's not the real green jacket. I didn't know that they issued green jackets for the winner of the U.S. Open. Well, now you do. It's news to me. Tiger Woods. Everyone wants to do a story about Tiger Woods. Everybody, well, they've been wanting to do a, st- a, t- a story on Tiger Woods, it feels like, for a year and a half. It feels like they, you know how... Uh, Wasn't his last showing pretty good? He's not doing horrible. I mean, he's still a good golfer, and he seems he says he's more relaxed than ever. The thing about the Tiger Woods uh, story is that every network, Fox Sports, ESPN, everybody has a Tiger Woods back-from-the-brink story ready to go, just like they've got uh, older celebrity um What do you call them? Celebrity. Like seeing Mr. They, Belding. They're at- dead, and you tell them it's the retrospective of their life they've got everyone's death package ready to go an they've, obit thank you yes. why do they have a hard time with that word you're still in pura vida mode uh, pura vida <laughs> pura vida no uh, cervezas no cervezas it's dos, 12 no, I 12 said, i didn't say no i said Wednesday. dos dos cervezas por favor <clears throat> and then finally speaking of shinnecock hills <laughs> Outside my, Miami, there was a cockfight going on. Nice and transition. Somebody, somebody shot the ref. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing as a ref at a cockfight. But they shot the ref. And even though Jose Raul Garcia, known as El Russo, was found slumped over inside the ring, the bag of refereeing equipment still hanging around his neck, his body riddled with bullets, no one is talking. The place was absolutely packed. They're estimating probably dozens, if not a couple of hundred people were in the room at the moment that El Russo, Jose Garcia, 
was shot and killed, but nobody's saying nada. See. <laughs> si. si. Coming up next. My kids, by the way, uh-huh. hated the fact that I said things in Spanish. Why? That's... They thought it was embarrassing. I ordered lunch one time. But it's a sign of respect when you go to another country and you try to speak the language. I said, the woman says, would you guys like anything? And she, they said, I want a sandwich. I want a banana. I want a donut. And I said, uh, arroz con pollo, por favor. And she says, gracias. And de nada. And then, boom, they go away. And both my kids slowly turn and look at me and go, <laughs> dad, she totally rolled her eyes at you. No, 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 she didn't. No, I bet she appreciated it. We made up a uh, Latino love app yesterday on the show. Oh, I heard something about this. You did? What was it called? Latino love? Uh, no, I heard I heard Neil saying something like swiping the ratio. And... Oh, yeah, we were going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole thing. All right, uh, coming up next. Uh, speaking of lunchtime. Yeah, a guy has his leg <laughs> amputated, and you won't believe what he decides to do with it. Mm. Mm, this is good friend. Or who he decides to serve it to. Uh, Gary and Shannon. Uh, what you've done for me. Gary and Shannon, we'll get into Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour and talk about a bunch of uh, stuff going on in Washington, D.C., but Reddit. A guy. Reddit, Reddit is a, a terrible tr- place. It, it, it really is. It's a garbage but can. It, it's also a treasure trove oh, of unique stories like this one. There was a man in a motorcycle crash. He wishes to remain uh, anonymous. I won't even say what his screen name is because it's gross. Let's... <laughs> I just saw that for the first time. When a car hit his motorcycle, sent him careening into a nearby forest, his foot was shattered to the point where he would never walk on it again. The doctor asked if he wanted to amputate, and this guy's one question to the doctor was, can I keep it? The foot? The foot. Well, actually, we did ask Blake if he kept his appendix. Yeah, we actually wanted it for the office. And uh, they didn't let him. They had to, like, biopsy it. No, I wanted to put it in, like, amber and stuff and be able to wear it as a... Pendant. That's a horrible idea. I think it'd be better in a jar in the office. Didn't allow that. Formaldehyde. We could do that, too. Because we wouldn't have to wash the bowl like we would if we had a fish. The doctor said um, that in July of, uh, what was it, 2016, so almost uh, two years ago now, they finally amputated his leg uh, below below the knee. So if you know a guy who has uh, one leg that's a fake leg, maybe maybe you're, you're talking about your friend here. He, he took it home with him. Um, he didn't tell his mom why he wanted to take it home. And originally his plan was that he was either going to uh, freeze dry it or taxidermy it because he thought it would be funny to have his own foot made into a floor lamp. That's not what he did. What he did was he invited 10 uh, friends over for a special brunch. They sat down. They had apple strudel quiche puff pastries, uh, fruit tarts, chocolate cake. They drank gin lemonade punches, mimosas, and uh, then the main course came out, and it was this. It was a foot fajita. Yeah, foot fajitas. Fajita tacos made from his severed human limb. The guy marinated. (laughs) Okay, uh, again, apologies because I know it's lunchtime. He gets his thing back to his house, right? Again, no, to, get, to go back. They, they gave it to him in the red bio waste bag. He gets it back to his house. 
pulls it out, covered in blood, had iodine all over it. So he, oh, for the love. He cleans it off. And he says, quote, I was pleasantly surprised by how well preserved it was. Not like they preserved it in formaldehyde That's or anything fine, like that. fine. But why the need to eat your foot? Question. Yes. Is it still illegal if the cannibalism Funny, is your own? You should Excellent ask, question. Bonnie. Blake, do you realize cannibalism is technically legal in 49 of the 50 great states of the United States of America. United States in does God's not eyes? United States Different. does not oh. have a federal law banning cannibalism. Idaho is the only state in which the simple act of eating human flesh can land you in prison. Why does everyone get on the Donner party so much well, then? Well, because it, it's a good question, uh, but also not a great question. There are laws against murder for one thing. There are laws against buying and selling human meat. Uh, there are laws against a corpse desecration. So all of those sort of layer on top of each other and make it sort of a de facto law against Does it have well, to be a whole body to listen, be a corpse? Listen, no. um, I'm glad you brought up the Donner Party because maybe that's why there is no legislation. Because sometimes cannibalism is the only way out, the only way of survival. Is it against the law to... Right? Unknowingly no. serve someone human? Would it be against the law to unknowingly serve someone human? Like for the other, per- the other person doesn't know. Like, hey, you like, come over hey, to my house. you want some tacos yeah. and it yes. turns out to be foot? I would imagine that would be illegal. That's not illegal. That would, that would, that would come into like assault. So far something. we have a split jury. I, I, I would, don't think so. I, I, think so <laughs> I feel strongly that's not illegal. Nick? Uh, if, you, some, if there's a human flesh involved, yeah. somebody knows what's going on. No, but I'm saying the person who was handed the taco, hey, try this taco, boom, well, eats they it. didn't do anything. Afterwards, wrong. no, I know, but could that person sue said person for could something? The, them f- could the cook taco? be in trouble? It could sure. be a lawsuit, but a civil lawsuit. I don't think there's any criminal charges in that. Uh, that would be interesting. Maybe I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Mm. I can't stop thinking about The Walking Dead and poor Bob, who exactly. ate his own foot. Well, <laughs> when asked how did it taste. I don't want to hear the rest of that sentence. <laughs> I'm going to go. I kind of do. <laughs> Gamey? It's almost like venison, he says. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Can you can you, uh, For... you have to cook it thoroughly, you think? Or oh, yeah. He that? marinated it. Okay. I'm a big marinated venison fan. Overnight. So uh, yeah. uh, I, I, I could go very, for some foot taco. Very pronounced beefy no. flavor to it. Beefy foot, eh? Fajita. Mm-hmm. Beefy foot. Beefy foot. Taco. One friend had to spit me into a napkin, he told <laughs> Vice News. You met, you're chewing on that and you get like a crunch, like when you're... This we're, is why Shannon walked out. We, yeah, she's gone. You guys are way. gross. It could be we're, a gristly part. They so. were cracking jokes the whole time. The cook, who you know was the guy without the foot, said, "Well, today was the day I was inside ten of my friends at once." Ugh. a boy. I got a phone call the next day from one of the friends who said, "Hey, just so you know, I pooped you out. Sorry." <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> How old was this guy? I don't know. He's old enough to ride in a motorcycle. 22? Possibly. (laughs) I'm going to read the last paragraph. This is the best part. I think you can ethically be a cannibal in certain situations. I don't have some hunger to go hunt people down or gnaw off their faces. This was one experience where I had the chance to do something unique in a healthy and ethical manner. I did it, and it was fun and cool, and I have a great story. So a treat, per se. It's a great story. It's true. It's a good story. Yeah. But does that work as a pickup line in a bar? No. Oh. Oh, God. Not going to work. Hey, what happened to your foot? 
<laughs> I ate it. It was gummy. It was like venison. No. Swamp Watch when we come back to Gary and Chan. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, President Trump is back in Washington. Uh, I bet we all woke up to a flurry of tweets from the president this morning. Talking about how great things went, just landed, long trip. Everybody can feel much safer now than the day I took office. Stephanie Ramos joins us now from Capitol Hill for the very latest. Stephanie, what's the reception like there on Capitol Hill? Well, we've heard from House Speaker Paul Ryan, who has applauded the president for having met with North Korea's leader uh, Kim Jong-un and, and says that he's, that the president has disrupted the status quo and uh, went on about that, but also in a, in a way said not so fast, saying that uh, there's no need to be delusional and that um, – it's it's going to take time, that the relationship between the United States and North Korea is going to take time. Uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan saying, uh, quote, we should be under no delusion of our experiences with North Korea. It's a terrible regime. They've done terrible things, and they've been deceitful in the past. So um, so the Speaker saying not so fast, but again, uh, saying that it was it was great that the president had the opportunity to, to meet with um, North Korea's dictator. Uh, is this an indication that the president is going to get more support from uh, members of Congress going forward? Um, no, it's it's unclear. It's unclear at this point. I mean, now that the president is back, it's definitely, you know, back to political reality where he'll need to sell any type of deal with North Korea to Congress and, and try to con- convince them. And uh, so, so it's unclear. Obviously, there are some lawmakers here on Capitol Hill that are pleased that the summit came and went, and it seems to have gone well. Uh, but now it's it, it's it's time to act. And even in House Speaker Paul Ryan today saying uh, it's great that both leaders uh, signed a, a joint statement, but it's now to it's now time for an actual agreement to denuclearize the the Korean Peninsula. It looks like the economy may be a bigger uh, a bigger chip for for Republicans to play when it comes to the midterms uh, than, than this summit. Oh, absolutely. And and then that's something that um, those who are, are vying for a seat or trying to unseat someone, uh, a lawmaker, you know, that's something that they'll that they'll be challenged with, uh, not just the topic of North Korea, but uh, certainly the economy and China and, and all of that mixed in. What is uh, what does the president do now? I mean, are there other issues that are coming up? We've understood. Uh, I understand the House Republicans have been trying to work on immigration, but. Where do we stand on that? Right. So, um, well, we don't have a, a, a schedule for the president just yet for tomorrow, for instance, or for the rest of today. He was pretty much staying low. But in terms of the of immigration, uh, House Speaker uh, Paul Ryan just yesterday announced that the House would actually debate two immigration bills next week. Um, one is a conservative version. The second one will be written by a bipartisan group of lawmakers. Uh, so those two will be considered next week. And uh, the 
the speaker basically just avoided uh, what's called a discharge petition, which would allow members of the House to force a debate on the floor without his approval. And the petition was actually just a few votes away from uh, forcing a vote on immigration legislation that would protect dreamers. So uh, that was killed. And now these two other bills will be up for debate next week. So we'll see where that goes. Stephanie Ramos, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Do you have that tweeting music? Oh, because the the tweets this morning were really epic coming from from the president. I mean, there was let me see here counting one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine tweets wow. this morning. What did he say? Tweet, tweet, tweet. What do you think he just tweeted? Sit back, relax, and enjoy my tweets. Robert De Niro, a very low IQ individual, has received too many shots to the head by real boxers in movies. I watched him last night and truly believe he may be punch drunk. I guess he doesn't, dot, 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 next tweet. Realize the economy is the best it's ever been with employment being at an all-time high and many companies pouring back into our country. Wake up, punchy. Then there was wake up punchy, wake up punchy. And then there. But remember, don't bully people online. Right. Congratulations to Corey Stewart for his great victory for senator from Virginia. Now he runs against a total stiff Tim Kaine, who is weak on crime and borders and wants to raise your taxes through the roof. And then uh, just landed a long trip. But everybody can now feel much safer the day I took office. What was the one about President Obama? Because it was right after that, right before that or right after that? Yeah, I got it. Uh, Before taking office, people were assuming that we were going to war with North Korea. President Obama said that North Korea was our biggest and most dangerous problem. No longer sleep well tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good times. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's good times. Uh, North Korea, by the way, we're, we're finding out how the news of the summit went down in North Korea. Of course, it's all state run, right? The message is very carefully crafted. And it looks like the coverage was dominated with pictures of Kim Jong-un standing as an equal on that big international stage with the president of the most powerful country in the world, seen as a propaganda coup. Well, remember, they they believe, because all of the message is so strictly controlled there, so tightly controlled, they believe that the only reason this took place is because Kim Jong-un wanted it to take place. Yeah, because he demanded the president to the meeting, and he demanded that the president halt these joint military exercises with South Korea. Um, and I just don't think that's going to go over well with, with, with President Trump. The summary of the meeting from the North Korean news agency said, President Trump appreciated that at- and an atmosphere of peace and stability was created on the Korean Peninsula, although distressed with the extreme danger of armed clash only a few months ago, thanks to the proactive, peace-loving measures taken by the respected Supreme Leader from the outset of this year. Kellyanne Conway working for uh, Kim Jong-un. Mean. Peace-loving, though, Kim Jong-un. She's a a good spinner, though. She's a good spinner. Her husband is uh, one of the the loudest anti-Trump people on Twitter. I don't understand how relationships like that work. Mary Matlin and right. uh, James Carville. I don't get that. How you can sit around and, and argue like that. I guess they don't. I, I mean, guess they just don't talk about it. But how do you not talk? It's what you do for work. It's not just like. Well, maybe they just go home and they watch uh, Bravo. 
You know, maybe they 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 talk about politics at work and on cable news, and then in their home life they watch kitten videos. I don't know. Kitten videos. You're a weirdo. Uh, the Giuliani's son got his West Wing credentials revoked. We'll talk about that. Also, some fun stuff about what's go what went on. I should say in the Obama White House, talking about how this thing. Seemed like it was a, a giant summer camp on steroids. Well, and let's throw in some Xanax and Ambien, too. Well, why not? And some awkward hookups. Uh, hey, sounds like a Wednesday to me. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon in the middle of Swamp Watch talking about what's going on in Washington, D.C. One of the uh, sort of uh, tangential figures to the administration could potentially be indicted. We know that Michael Cohen, the longtime attorney, uh, considered a personal fixer to the president, expects to be put in cuffs any day now. Uh, He has apparently been telling friends that he fears he will be indicted and arrested over the federal investigation that he's been facing. This is not this is not the special counsel, although they have been sniffing around Michael Cohen for quite a few months now. Investigators are looking into Michael Cohen for potential bank fraud, wire fraud, and campaign violations, uh, campaign finance violations. Uh, that all resulted uh, as in the FBI raided his Manhattan home and his hotel room and his office back in April. They seized a trove of documents, computers, cell phones. All of it probably has some fascinating material in it. Uh, The judge in the case appointed a special master to determine which files fell under attorney-client privilege. That would be a nice out. It turned out to be only a tiny amount. Um, We should see at some point uh, within the next few days, I would imagine some of that's going to flesh itself out, whether or not he gets indicted. And then what happens to him? Because, I mean, the potential for him to to flip is pretty high. Although he has been saying there was a source, I think, that told Vanity Fair that if the president should wor- is worried about anyone, I mean, anyone, it should be Michael Cohen but because he's the one who knows where the bodies are buried. He has had a career that's been tied to organized crime for a very long time. Prosecutors may get something from him, get him to roll on, I don't know, the Russian mob or something like that, and maybe that would be enough. Maybe he doesn't roll on the president. Maybe he rolls on the other uh, other dirty people he does business with. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Giuliani, Rudy's son, uh, has lost his West Wing access. I guess the president actually wanted to see Andrew Giuliani promoted to special assistant to the president, uh, but John Kelly stripped Andrew Giuliani of his West Wing access about two weeks ago, and that that left him with the green pass, which is he can still get into the White House. He just has to be escorted everywhere. So uh, we'll see how that that's just a minor, minor thing. But uh, it is worth noting. So there was a interesting story about the former Obama White House and what it was like being there, working there. Becky Dory Stein was 25 years old when she was offered a job in Barack Obama's White House. This is 2012, and she is singing about her time there. (laughs) She made copious notes on the details of her personal life while traveling to more than 60 countries over five years on Air Force One, witnessing Obama's life in midair. Literally midair. The... She was a stenographer, <clears throat> was her uh, a f- 
profession. And she talked about getting insight into not just the obscure culture within the press pool. She called it a party culture. But she got to meet the president in a, in a personal way that others don't necessarily get to see. For example, she talks about working out with the president on the treadmill next to him and that he was a fun-loving, trash-talking guy and would tell her she was running too slow, fatty. He said, I don't know no, he, he didn't say fatty. fatty. Only you use that word. Um, that she, uh, he said, she says that he taught her to be optimistic and that he would crack his Nicorette gum to keep from smoking. On one occasion, he told stories about how he met Michelle, how she tried to pass him off to one of her friends. That's funny. She also talked about a uh, an affair that she got into at one point. Mm. Sitting across uh, <clears throat> from one of these people, she was flirting, thinking that he was a teacher. The man told her he was working, although he did not seem to be doing anything. He was actually a Secret Service agent watching Malia. She was advised by the hiring agency to stay away from Secret Service agents as well as stay with your boyfriend because Sam, her boyfriend, working for a PR place back in uh, back in D.C., encouraged her, supported her, etc. But she got into a hot and heavy secret relationship with one of the president's senior staffers in a hotel room and fell in love. Mm. Mm. It seems nice. This sounds like a story of like, hey, when I was 25 and I was a dumbass. Yeah, and I was in a high-powered situation and a lot of pressure. And Too a many of- nights in a bar getting drunk. Blah, 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 blah. But the treadmill story is funny. I don't understand the... the- and of course there's a party culture in the press, in the press scrum. Well, That's the way they all are. Because I would imagine that a situation like being part of the president's traveling pool, media pool, there are incredibly tense, high-pressure situations, and then yes. nothing. And that's the way like, that reporters are. That's why reporters tend to drink more uh, than other professions, <laughs> because it's tense, tense, tense. You don't know where you're going to be. There's no normalcy. It's, you don't know when it ends. You don't know when it ends. All of that. There's like a lot of steam to blow off at the end of the day. She she describes the best sleepover party ever on these long flights where everyone took their drug of choice. Sonata, Xanax, Ambien. Sweetie, that's not a drug of choice. It's a sleep aid when you've been pumping caffeine into your blood for 20 hours. Good Lord. That was quite a rant right there. Well, I just think it's stupid when 25-year-olds are like, oh, my gosh, this happened. And this happens to be like a Tuesday in America. Uh, Just to tie up and put a bow on this whole Rand Paul thing. Remember how he got cracked in the ribs? Uh, Some guy, the neighbor tackled him off of his lawnmower. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We now know, according to the police report, that the alleged tormentor, I'm sorry, that the the neighbor considered Senator Rand Paul the tormentor because he was infuriated with the senator's habit of stacking lawn debris near the property line between the two homes. Okay, I could see that's where enough to lawn debris can tackle get a guy going. off of a lawnmower. Well, if it's a it's, if it's a persistent problem of debris, <laughs> you make it sound sane at that point. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Gary and Shannon, 
Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt's divorce situation is getting dicey. We're going to talk to our entertainment reporter, Jason Nathanson, coming up next about what's going on. There's quite the battle over custody. This is a uh, sad story. A 71-year-old dad um, lost his daughter uh, 30 years ago. Tim Miller is his name, and his 16-year-old daughter, Laura, was abducted and murdered in League City, Texas in 1984. No one has ever been charged with her death. Now, Tim was very upset, and you see this often, when the local police are failing to come up with the killer, failing to 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 do to get any investigative wins. So he decides to make it his mission to find Laura's killer. He goes on this mission for three decades. And in doing this, he meets other people in similar situations. And he starts helping other people find their missing loved ones. Yeah, and just to get to that part of the story first, and we'll go back and, and, and talk about his daughter, Laura, um, he decided to help or he decided to help all these other people by putting together a group called Equisearch, Texas Equisearch, originally intended as a search and recovery team on horses, hence the Equisearch, uh, to look for missing people in and around Galveston. And today he lists uh, hundreds of volunteers, everything of horses, obviously, but also boats and drones to carry out searches for missing people, not just in the Galveston area anymore, but it's throughout the United States now. The charity has helped find more than 400 missing people alive and also recovered 238 bodies. Now, Laura Miller died in 1984. She was killed. Uh, The last anybody had seen her was using a payphone to call her boyfriend at a convenience store in League City, Texas, September of 1984. Uh, that was where they had moved earlier that year. And League City is right along I-45 between Houston and Galveston, known as the Highway of Hell. Because since the 1970s, more than 30 young women have mysteriously disappeared or been found murdered along the Highway of Hell. Six months after Laura disappeared, a dog dug up a human skull in an oil field near League City. But they, it wasn't Laura. No, they did find out it was a, it was another 23-year-old, another young woman, a local waitress who vanished. The last time she was seen was using the same exact payphone, but it was about a year earlier. Oh, gives me chills. And Tim says, listen... That's too that's too coincidental. I want that entire field searched for my daughter's remains. But police said, "Listen, sir, that's not going to happen. That's it's way too much. There's no ed- evidence that we have that there's anybody else there." So 3 years later, two kids are riding their bikes on that same field and they come up upon the remains of another woman. That woman had been shot in the back, dumped in the field several weeks or even months earlier, but she was in her mid-20s, so they knew it wasn't Laura. But it was still just a few hundred feet from where the first woman's remains were found. So that day, they did expand the search. They did search that entire field. And about 60 feet away from where they found the second woman, that's where they found Laura's body. In 1991, another unidentified young woman found dead in the same area. And so the patch of land near the Highway of Hell has since been known as the Killing Field. 
Now, Mr. Miller is convinced that Laura, Heidi, and the unidentified woman are victims of a man he had personally investigated early on in the hunt for his daughter's murderer. Clyde Hedrick had lived on the same street as the Miller family before they moved to League City. And Miller tells reporters that Hedrick knew his daughter, sometimes talked to her when she passed his house. This guy, by the way, is currently serving 20 years for manslaughter. Well, yeah, and it wasn't just because he knew the daughter. Uh, Hedrick was eventually caught up with the law, accused of abusing a corpse the year after Laura had been killed. This guy had been dating this woman, and he said that she drowned after they went swimming together after a meeting at a nightclub and freaked out and hid the body in a panic. But police were unconvinced, and eventually they determined that she was killed. She didn't drown. She was killed, blunt force trauma to the head. So he was arrested for her murder, although it was 30 years later. Again, still not Laura Miller's murder, but at least tied him to a murder. He pleaded not guilty, was eventually convicted of involuntary manslaughter, sentenced to 20 years. He has denied any involvement in the deaths, but Miller says, I have no doubt in my mind, Clyde is responsible for all of this. And in fact, he filed a $110 million wrongful death lawsuit against Clyde Hedrick for his daughter's murder. Now, if you take a picture of Clyde, and we should put this picture up because it is something to behold. It's one of those... Uh, it's, it's unclear if, if Clyde is a man or a woman in this mugshot, but clearly there's, uh, maybe a trip to cunning dental that needs to take place and certainly a hard life that's been lived. Wouldn't you say? And your name is Clyde and you live in Texas. That can't be an easy And you have a mullet of gray hair. Oh, that mullet is just on point. When's the last time you think that mullet was washed? Well, in that picture, since it was probably a mugshot, you could go for a, you probably about a week, maybe. Do you think he has a comb that he puts in that mullet? I wouldn't. No. For fear of pulling it out. Look how thin that, I mean, he's got some, some male pattern baldness going up there in the front, and I should know. Uh, but he, uh, that's some thin hair right there. So pull that out. This is one of those pictures you want to keep just to keep yourself on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> you should... You should have one of those wooden signs made at the county fair this summer that says, look, comma, you're just a few bad decisions away from. Yes. And then uh, put that picture up. Yeah. There. And you could rotate it. Like you come up with a new picture every once in a while. Yeah. You go, oh, my gosh. I or or that. maybe that picture and then meth, question mark, not today. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt will dive into their legal t- entanglements when we return. Gary and Shannon will continue. Don't forget uh, Friday, this Friday, as a matter of fact, our latest news and brews. We're going to be live at Slide Bar in Fullerton. Come on out. You said $5 craft brews. Yes, Is that sir. what a craft pints? That's going to be fantastic. This Friday, two days from now, from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m., we're going to be live at Slide Bar in Fullerton. Gary and Shannon. Yes. 
on this Wednesday. It's June 13th. Hey, um, Dr. Wendy's going to come along at the bottom of this hour. There are a few things that I, you know, the headlines, since I was out of the country, the headlines were few and far between. But a couple of them that obviously rose uh, above all the others were the unfortunate uh, suicides of not only Kate Spade, but also uh, Anthony Bourdain. And I, w- I saw those in the middle of reading the biography of Robin Williams. Yeah. We, we interviewed Dave Itzkoff, the guy who wrote it from the New York uh, Times. And it was, it's, it's, first of all, it's a depre- horribly depressing topic. It can be. Right. And I think that's why a lot of people avoid it. Well, and it's an interesting question about the media. There was an article in USA Today over the weekend where an expert uh, who, who, who works, I believe, on a national level for a suicide hotline was talking about how the media makes a problem worse when they talk about how somebody killed themselves instead of focusing on the stories of people who fought through suicidal thoughts and came out the other end, yeah. you know, and didn't make that decision or changed course after making that decision. Um, and so I thought that was a very interesting take on it. And I would love to do that to highlight stories of people that, that went through this and were able to fight through it and, um, and, and come out the other, the other side. Uh, there is a story that's been uh, bubbling under in the last couple of days, and it's really hit in the last, say, 24 hours, and that's the uh, divorce between Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, specifically the the custody of their six kids. Jason Nathanson is on this and joins us now. Jason, what's going on? The custody stuff is always the toughest stuff, and we haven't heard much about them in a while. Uh, but now apparently there's summer vacations happening, and it seems as if Brad Pitt wants more time, or at least that's what he's going for in court. So there was a court order recently here in Los Angeles uh, that Angelina Jolie is actually, her team is saying was leaked um, and that it was under seal, but apparently it wasn't under seal because we have it as well. Uh, so in, in it, it talks about how uh, the court, that Angelina Jolie has to tell the children that the court has determined that not having a relationship with their father is harmful to them. She has to reinforce that they are safe with their father uh, and that having a relationship with both parents is critical. So it seems like as they're getting into summer vacation planning uh, that maybe her side has been saying that, you know, the kids aren't safe or or telling the kids that they're not safe with Brad Pitt. um, And now, so that's why where all this is coming from. And so coming up in this summer, uh, with the schedule. Um, it's very complicated, uh, but basically uh, she's going to be in London fil- filming a new movie. Uh, she's renting a house, and for 10 days in mid-June, um, he can spend time with one or two of them for four hours per day. From June 27th to July 1st, he gets the children for 10 hours a day, and then in July, yeah, uh, later in July, he gets to see them back again for four hours a day. Um, and a psychologist must be present with him while he visits the kids in London, and he must arrange for them to see their doctors and therapists when they're here back in L.A. This divorce has been dragging on for two years, This, and it appears that, like you said, that you know the custody is usually what catches these things up. That's all that they're left to work on, uh, work out, right, is, is the custody of the kids? I don't think it's money stuff. I don't think that has anything to do with it. It's just the kids, and especially when you have six kids. 
Um, that's the tough part. And there's a special stipulation uh, for the oldest kid, Maddox, who, if you remember, that he's the one who allegedly got in a fight with Brad Pitt on the plane, and that's the thing that started all this stuff. Maddox is now 16. He's old enough to decide whether or not he wants to uh, – he can do whatever he wants. He can uh, hang with uh, Angelina Jolie. He can hang with Brad Pitt. He can make those decisions at this point for himself. What's going on with Brad and Jen? Are they getting back together? I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I've seen that happen <laughs> on the uh, the newsstands for the past three weeks. Which 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 ones though? There are ones star. You, can... you know mm-hmm. the ones that it's not like the Us Weekly people reputable magazines of the world, right. <laughs> but uh, you know the the, the, the shadier ones. Yeah, don't believe those. Okay. Those, they're just trying to sell you sell you magazines. Okay, because because Jen broke up with uh, what's his name? Uh, yes, uh, Ter- Justin, Justin Thoreau. Thoreau. Yes, yeah. so she's free, and so is he. And there's this growing uh, this growing want for them to reunite. That's, I mean, you know, the public can want what it wants. What do you want, Jason? <laughs> They're not Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez. Oh, right. Lord, who is? Have you heard her new song? It's all about wanting to be back with Justin. I mean, who doesn't want to be back with Justin? That's what I want. Okay. Wow. I mean, that took a turn. Why not? <laughs> uh, and then finally, we're talking about 16, 14, 13, 12-year-old kids and then two 9-year-olds in this, in this Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie thing. Can you name them? Well, yeah, because I'm looking at them. Okay. I mean, I'm looking at the names, not looking at pictures of them. I can't name them from sight, but Maddox, Pax, Zahara, Shiloh, Vivian, and Knox. Yes, I have them tattooed on my ankle. But um, <laughs> the age of the kids has got to have something to do with it as well. I mean, the, especially the older ones. They're old enough to make some sort of uh, comment to the judge, perhaps, about what could, you know, what, what they prefer in terms of communication with dad or living with dad or visitation with dad. Yeah, that's tough though. When you actually get the kids involved physically in court, I mean, I, I from from my experience and uh, people I know, that's the last thing you want to do is actually bring them in to have them testify on, on one hand or the other. And it sounds like what the judge is trying to do here is make sure that Brad Pitt has time, that he has equal time. She, Angelina Jolie, had gone for uh, sole custody, uh, and she did not get that. But it sounds like the judge is trying to move them more towards. Some point where they have either shared or joint um, physical custody, or at least that Brad Pitt is getting enough time and that the kids are getting enough time with the parents. Because especially here in California, the ultimate goal usually of these courts is to get both parents having equal time. Yeah, and the headline I saw in this story yesterday was that she runs the risk of losing custody if, in fact, she doesn't abide by the judge's uh, uh, the, the rules set out by the judge that you described earlier. Right. That's what he said. That um, that uh, that she can that that can be dialed back. He explicitly said that, um, and apparently laid out a uh, new cell phone policy as well, saying because I guess the kids weren't being made available to Brad Pitt on the phone, so that he must have the cell phone number of each child so he can text or call them at will without her monitoring the conversation. She yeah, can't read the what text. a nightmare. All right, Jason. Thank you. Sure thing. Jason Nathan Nathanson there over the hill talking to us about stuff in Hollywood. We come back. Dr. Wendy Dr. joins us. Be good. I already saw her. I saw her in the hallway. You did? Yes, she seems very chipper and happy. Oh, good. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. The doctor is in with Dr. Wendy Walsh. 
Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, we touched on a little bit about this uh, before the break, but now we have Dr. Wendy with us. And talking about the media's role um, when it comes to suicides and how we talk about them, because there does seem to be a bit of a uh, contagion that happens. Yeah, and there's debate about how we should handle it. I mean... Uh, speaking of which, I heard Handel saying, hey, but we're journalists and this is what we do. We're not supposed to say the news when it happens. Uh, but the research is pretty clear that there is an association between the number of suicide deaths and the amount of reporting specifically of high profile suicides. Well, when you think of it, uh, when I look at what even today still, I, I'm seeing people post these tributes to Anthony Bourdain and, you know, the impact that he had on their life or the impact that that, they, that he had on cooking or TV and, I mean, all of these things. And I, I don't want to stigmatize. I mean, suicide comes with its own stigma. I don't need to attach anything to it. But they're not talking about the pain that the guy was going through or they're do- they're not talking about the pain that Kate Spade had in her life that drove them to the point where they thought this was the way out. And this, in fact, is the danger that can create the contagion is that a severely depressed person sees us, ta- you know, canonizing these people, right. lionizing them and then saying, well, it's only after I die that people will appreciate me. Right. So it's a thing. So now the World Health Organization is actually suggesting that the media create some guidelines for reporting suicide. And I mean, think about it this way. We have libel laws, right? There's only so many things we can say about people without getting sued. Uh, We have rules around anonymous sources. If somebody were to tell you, Gary, that what they're going to tell you is off the record, you know that that has to stay off the record and can't be publicly said. So why can't we create some best practices around covering suicides? I've had I've heard this discussion before. I've had the arguments before because we've talked about them before in the context of, say, school shootings. Same deal. Where where we're talking about these young men, most often, who uh, have whatever's going on in their life. And the fact that we say their name or we we talk about what was the the message that they were trying to get across, which only adds to someone else's fuel. Hey, if I want to get my message across, I need to kill more people. And then they'll talk about me in those glowing terms. Which is why we try never but, to use the names or talk about the manifestos. Right. But but that's got to be, and I think to your point, is it's got to be a uh, company by company, even newsroom by newsroom policy that comes up with this tor- these, these types of guidelines. And it's a tough conversation to have because... There was uh, and still to this day remains a bit of a stigma around mental illness. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Well, when you don't talk about it, then people don't get it treated. And and I think removing the stigma is is having a conversation about mental illness. And I know not all suicides are because of mental illness, but some of them are. Yeah. In fact, we should have a conversation about that. But this seems to me like a very ethical time for me to mention the phone number of the suicide hotline, which is one 800 273-TALK, T-A-L-K, which stands for 8255, 1-800-273-8255. It's a free hotline, 24 hours a day, to anybody experiencing any kind of emotional distress. Or if you just want some advice about how to deal with a family member or friend who may be in emotional distress, that's the place to call. You know, that's a really good point that I've never thought about before. If you know somebody in your life that is struggling and they're not reaching out to get help, how can you help the situation and that's a good resource for people yeah let me ask a doctorish question here (laughs) oh no is 
uh, are are suicidal thoughts a natural thing? Or that's not the right. That's way to an put excellent. That. It, wait, yeah. wait, no, no. That right there is a really great question. Yeah, is it part of being human? Yes. Yeah. So, okay, have you ever been hiking up fairly high? And you actually have that feeling like, yes. what if I jumped? Like, right. it's, 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 it's Tall a, buildings, a, it's same a thing. split yes. second yeah. kind of feeling. Bridges. Speeding, speeding yeah. traffic. What if I... Totally. Yeah. I was actually doing a segment one time on my show about how different cultures and different languages have different words for feelings. And in, you know, depending on what your language is, if we don't have that word, we usually don't have the feeling. But that, there's actually a feeling, and I feel like it was... In Japan, they have a Japanese word for it. And that's the feeling like you want to jump off a cliff Mm. or in front of a subway. And um, so anthropologists speculate that that feeling lies in our DNA as a survival mechanism. Because if you didn't go through the process of what if I jumped, then you might just jump. (laughs) Because the next thing that comes after it is, whoa. I would never do that. Right, right, Right. exactly. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Well, and I guess I I stumbled into that question because I think the one I wanted to ask was how common – would would suicidal thoughts be or are they i mean do well they're not comorbid with every kind of depression they're not comorbid with every kind of anxiety there are people who experience depression and would never think for a great example might be postpartum depression where uh you know the mom is not doing well but needs to stay and wants to stay alive for her baby right then there are other degrees of say postpartum depression where you know, babies get thrown out windows. So, uh, and I don't mean to laugh about that, but I'm, it can be very serious. Sure. So um, there are no statistics to say who who is suffering from depression has the suicidal thoughts or not. But I think we also need to take the conversation a little deeper than, oh, let's just blame mental illness. Because if we can blame mental illness, then we can just get more people help because they're obviously in distress. What about... If we think of suicide as somebody unable to cope with societal pressures, cultural pressures, things to do with isolation, uh, lack of family, um, relationship distress, economic problems, health problems. I mean, we know clearly that suicide rates are going up among specifically white middle-aged men with only high school education who have economic stress. Yep. So does that mean all those men suddenly have a a gene for depression and that it's mental illness? Or why don't we stop and think about what cultural things are creating that? Let's use the example of heart disease, right? We don't say every single person who has a heart attack uh, probably just has the gene for that. Oh, well, poor them. We say, what's going on with our food Why aren't people able to exercise? Sitting is the new smoking. What can we be doing to prevent heart disease in our culture? But yet we don't do that with suicide. Instead, we go, oh, here's the hotline. If you've got depression, you should call. Uh, Instead of saying, well, you know, they're actually, all psychology is biology meeting the environment. The environment, the most uh, impactful environment is our primary close intimate relationships and family, but also the culture at large. What we're being fed as far as messages. Um, This Sunday, in fact, on my show, I want to talk a little bit. I'm going to be talking about how this idea that success is about being thin, rich, and beautiful, focus on rich. um, Really, many people get there and then realize that's a big crock. 
I read that uh, or an opinion piece on that over the weekend, and we've talked about that here with you on on our show about how people think, oh, if I just get money, or if I just get a relationship, or I just have you know kids, and uh, whatever your then goal I'll be happy, is, then right? I'll be happy, yeah. And and then they get there, and then there's this horrible feeling of, oh my gosh, that's that didn't do it. I'm I'm. What's going to do it? Nothing's going to do it. And then the, right. the depression sets in. And then there are the people that blame themselves that they're not more successful going back to this growing population of, uh, you know, white middle-aged men with a high school education who can't find jobs. And they're th- thinking there's something wrong with them when there's something wrong with the culture that we're not employing these people, that something's changed in our economic policy. Right. And so I mean, I think we have to look at it from many, many sides and not just think of it as pure and simple mental illness. Now, that's not to discount the fact that many people who take their own lives are suffering from a mental illness. But I don't think that's the whole story. Mm. And I think it's a simplistic version. We're talking with Dr. Wendy Walsh about uh, some of these high profile things we've seen recently, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. I was telling Shannon, we'll talk a little bit about this on the other side of it, I just finished the book about Robin Williams' life mm. and, and eventual suicide. And it, it touched on at least part of what it is that you were talking about there. So we'll talk about that when we continue. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. But first, an update on the news with Monica Ricks. Gary and Shannon. Dr. Wendy Walsh has joined us. Um, There were interesting things that uh, came out, some interesting conversations that have uh, started as a result of the high-profile suicides of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, among others. And uh, a press release from uh, CDC points out that over half of people who die by suicide have no diagnosable mental disorder. There was one thing, though, that you pointed out in terms of it's how people are responding to outside and social factors, outside factors, Uh, relationship problems or grief or loss or substance abuse issues or ongoing physical health difficulties, which I thought was an interesting one. Right. Um, So if we basically focus on, well, you know, you just need to get stronger to handle all these life stresses instead of saying, whoa, there are a lot of cultural stresses, stresses on people. How can we fix this so that people don't have to feel this kind of pressure? And I use the example of... But the world doesn't change to make things easier on us. Don't we have to sure evolve to, to become you know stronger? that we used to step in dog poop all the time? Mm, but I now the world days. changed. <laughs> Did you know that we used to breathe tobacco in cars that our parents were pushing out? Yeah. Uh, and we with don't the windows anymore. up. Yeah, exactly. See, the world changes. (laughs) But I just think that there's a lot of isolation right now for people, and it's stemming from a tide that is really hard to turn, and that is the tide of us on our devices. Uh, We're having less face-to-face contact with friends and family, and we think we have contact with them because they're friends on Facebook, but But it's not the same thing. Well, I actually think the tide is turning back, as I mentioned you guys before i went to a big marketing whatever conference seminar and they're all about live events now 
not social media marketing. And use example, just the pride parade that I was on the iHeartMedia float on Sunday. And I am telling you, they had to turn away people even with tickets for the Pride Festival in L.A. They, they expected tens of thousands and they got hundreds of thousands of people show up. So people want to get out and they want to see each other and they want to be in touch. And I think the tide really is turning because it doesn't feel so good. Um, so how can we do it? What can we really be doing to prevent suicide? Um, there's really an interesting uh, data that you'll love to hear. Uh, at USC San Diego School of Medicine, during a span of 15 years, this is one school of medicine, 13 physicians took their lives. Okay? So they started this depression awareness and suicide prevention program, and the entire culture of the place changed. And now they have, like, almost no suicides. Uh, use the example of HIV prevention. Between 2003 and 2013, deaths associated with HIV and AIDS fell in the United States by 49%. Now, they were spending a ginormous amount of money, $2.9 billion in federal funding on education. At the same time that suicides were, suicides were rising here in this country by 31%, we were spending a lousy $37 million. On education, So if you just look at it as a numbers game, uh, for example, just last year in 2017, suicide education got $68 million in federal funding. Heart disease, $1.37 billion. Cancer, almost $6 billion. Diabetes, over $1 billion. HIV, AIDS, $3 billion. Let's go back. $68 million. So we need to educate people, and that's how you change the culture. I just don't know what you educate them on, you know, like suicide uh, is deadly. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, if somebody's at a point where they think that the pain is so great that they, you know, I, I don't well, know how you get helping them, people understand, reaching out, helping people know or educating them to reach out and make that right. call. It's both things. It's educating um, bystanders and family members to yeah. know how to give care and what to do. It's also educating people who may be having trouble coping with stress or suffering from depression, teaching them what the warning signs are so that they can reach out. And believe it or not, education can go a long way. I mean, heart attacks were epidemic before we started really understanding the connection between exercise and diet, right, and HIV and AIDS before we educated people and taught them about, you know, sharing needles or wearing condoms or not. And there, believe me, with suicide, there will be lots of great ways and great education that can change people's lives. Well, thank you very much. You're quite welcome. And the number one more time is 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-TALK, um, if that's our suicide prevention And you're going to spend line. some time on the program this weekend. Oh, I, I'm not going to be talking about suicide. I'm going to be talking about how you can find happiness through your own definition. Forget oh. about what your culture says. I like that. Yes. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Wendy Walsh, you, I knew that okay? was going to happen. Did she bump her head? What no, happened? No, no, no. She's been playing with this toy for four hours, and finally it blew oh. up in her hand. Oh. It, it it's hit, a unicorn it, that shoots a fake ball. I was shooting it at you. It hit my computer screen and, and hit bounced me right back, back, and back into in my face. eye. I knew there was something to do yeah. with the head there. Good times. <laughs> All right. This is why you shouldn't play with boys. John and Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody.